Welcome in to another edition of the Cattails Podcast, the official podcast of Weber State Athletics. I'm Paul Grua. Glad to have you along board for another podcast today as we talk with Corbin Talley, the head coach of the Weber State men's track and field teams. We'll talk about his story, how how the Wildcats are adjusting and how things have effect, been affected through the coronavirus and the cancellation of the spring sports as well as hear a little bit more about Corbin growing up and also a former Weber State track runner running for Chick Hislop, as well as a longtime high school track and field coach. So all that's coming up in today's Cattails podcast. And again, thank you for joining us during this difficult time. We're trying to talk with as many coaches and, and student athletes and others affected by things. First off, we'll hear how Corbin and his family are adjusting to everything going on. Yeah, my family's probably getting a little tired of me being around. Um, <laughs> but but yeah. we're doing we're doing well. Uh, they're healthy. I have two girls who are in school, and they're doing school at home. And uh, so yeah, me being there, uh, kind of riding them like I would ride my athletes. Uh, I don't know that they love that. <laughs> they may not. Yeah, they may not. <laughs> You're probably, but it's been you good. Getting good, at, getting good at watching a lot of movies and shows and those kind of things too. Yeah, we're we're catching up on Netflix a little bit um, and some movies that we hadn't seen and playing a lot of board games, um, but it's been fun. Uh, it's been go. actually actually nice. I think a good opportunity to spend some more time uh, with my family, with my girls, and uh, we have a, a one-year-old son too, and so it's fun to be around him during the day. And see that That's routine. Great. Yeah, we'll talk yeah. about that uh, as well. But you know, let's talk also about how it's impacted uh, impacted you. And as a spring, as a coach of a spring sport, uh, you guys have been impacted as much as anyone. Uh, Trey Devereaux, which we'll talk about, him uh, has qualified for the NCAA indoor championships and was there and about to compete when it was all canceled. And and now you know also that of course the outdoor season won't happen and and so much. So how's your team uh, doing through all this? How have you been able to communicate with them and how do you think they're all handling all this? I think differing levels. Uh, there are definitely some guys that uh, are struggling uh, both with schoolwork and with um, just the, the, mo- the emotional side of this. Uh, I think it's probably been hardest on some of our seniors um, who may not, you know, may or may not be coming back. And even, uh, you know, even, the ones that are coming back, it's, uh, they'd worked really hard to get to this point. Um, and to not be able now to be competing and seeing their teammates and enjoying this, you know, culmination of their college career, uh, is without a doubt, it's a challenge. Um, a lot of them are handling the situation well though. Also, um, I think we're really trying to focus on a long-term perspective with all of them. And as we communicate, that's one of the biggest things we're talking about is that at some point we're going to get opportunities again. Um, and to have to sacrifice right now for the good of everybody is, is, uh, is something that, that I think the, each of these guys can learn from and, and grow from and hopefully come out uh, stronger and more grateful um, and more thoughtful on the other end of it. So, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and the NCA just came out, of course, the allowing, everybody kind of have their eligibility back. Of course, that creates some questions too about, you know, some aren't able to, and some may be able to come back. Everybody's still a lot of questions about that, but uh, I guess you as a, as a coaching staff and, and you work with your athletes to kind of determine what they want to do and if they want to come back next year, is that kind of how it will work? Do you think? 
Oh, for sure. And we have a couple of athletes that are uh, moving on to work on um, some postgraduate work uh, on some master's degrees. Um, one at Weber State, one at a different school. Um, we have an athlete that's going to end up taking a job and not be able to come back. Um, and then we have, uh, we, we don't have a, a lot of seniors this year, but uh, um, Trey Devereaux, for example, he is going to come back and work on some more school and and see if he can't develop a little further in the pole vault and the high jump and, and see what he can do with another year of experience and another year of work uh, going into next year's outdoor season. Yeah, let's, let's talk about Trey for a minute because, as I said, he was at the NCAA championships. He qualified in the pole vault. It went to New Mexico and Albuquerque and was there just about ready to compete when it was all canceled. And uh, what, yeah. what were his emotions like? How did he deal, deal through all that? You know, he had flown down on Tuesday night. Um, nope, Wednesday. Let's see, he flew down on Wednesday um, with our pole vault coach, Coach Ballou. Um, and they went down Wednesday night and uh, fully believing that he would have the opportunity to, to compete and to, you know, have this experience. Um, by Thursday morning, they had said that they were no longer going to allow uh, any spectators except for coaches and family. Um, and then that quickly became, we're only going to allow coaches at the meets. And then that, by the end of Thursday, the, the entire NCAA indoor track meet was, was canceled. Um, he did get the opportunity to go on Thursday and uh, do like a pre-meet uh, workout and warm up uh, and do some, some jumping on the pole vault pits uh, the day before. And he said that was one of the greatest experiences of his life honestly just realizing that this huge goal that he had 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 been accomplished and, and he had the opportunity to be there. So that was pretty cool. Um, I was super impressed with the way Trey handled it. He was extremely mature. Yeah. Good for him. Um, sad of course, but definitely um, had a, a good perspective and, and realized how grateful, you know, he was that uh, what he's missing out on is something tremendous, you know, uh, that he had qualified and, and so forth. So. Yeah. You know, yeah, and what an, what an indoor season that he had winning the Big Sky title at the indoor championships in, in the high jump and the pole vault. And, and to qualify was a huge accomplishment. It's, I believe, the first pole vaulter that we've ever had qualify. Is that, is that correct? He is, yeah. He's the first yeah. pole vaulter we've ever had qualify uh, for indoor or outdoor uh, in the NCAA championships. And he's our first uh, male athlete to qualify for the indoor championships in over 10 years. Yeah. So it's not an easy, not an easy thing to get there. And, um, it was pretty cool that he made it. So, yeah. Well, what are, what are some of your athletes doing? How, how do they stay, uh, fit? How do they stay motivated? How do they, I mean, I, I know they can run and work out to a degree, but it's, it's not the same. They can't be at the stadium. They can't use the facilities and all those things. So how are they, how are you keeping eyes on what they're doing and keeping in touch with them that way? Um, we're definitely communicating with them uh, through texts and phone calls and some Zoom meetings and so forth. Uh, I think right now it's a lot easier for our cross-country and distance runners to uh, switch modes a little bit and start to think about the fall. Um, and they can go out and still run on the trails or run on the roads or the paths uh, just on their own um, with social distancing. Um, and so they're able to still run and, and get that release uh, and and I've noticed that for the most part, those that distance group is is very motivated to now put in uh, some extra work and some extra strength work going uh, into the summer, and then hopefully we'll get the opportunity in the cross country season to show um, what that work will do. Um, 
definitely a lot harder on the sprinters, jumpers, hurdlers, and throwers, uh, because so much of what they were doing at this point to improve um, were technical things and, and being in the weight room and, and using hurdles and being at the track. Uh, so a lot, a lot harder for them to, uh, to stay motivated and keep moving and, and working out. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, so it's getting, hard. I was just going to say they're getting creative in their bedrooms and their living rooms and doing, you know, at home exercises <laughs> the best they can, but yeah. a lot of push ups, you know, and burpees and things they can do within a confined area. But right. You know, hard, you have, hard. you have such variety in, in track and field because you have some, like you said, distance runners that they'll compete in all three indoor, outdoor and cross country. And they'll have the opportunity yeah. to do that. And, uh, you'll have some that will, of course, just do track and field. And then even some, like even some javelin throwers that only compete outdoors sometimes. And so everybody's affected a little differently. And, and, and they all create, I'm sure, some challenges and, and some, some tough things to deal with for each one. Yeah, without a doubt. So yeah. we've challenged them to be creative, to think of things, you know, that, that can keep them uh, mentally sharp and physically as, as uh, strong and fit as they can be. But, but without a doubt, that's a challenge that I think a lot of athletes are having at this moment. So, Well, let's talk a little bit about your team, though, especially looking forward to, to cross country and, then, and track and field next year as well. As we, as we do that, though, well, let's look back a little bit on the cross country season last year. You have to be really proud of that team. And, uh, of course, some individuals that really stood out, and Christian Allen and, and Taylor Dillon that qualified for the NCAAs. Uh, but the team finished second in the Big Sky Championships. And, again, Christian Allen finished uh, with the highest finish in, uh, in NCAA his Weber State history at the NCAA Championships, uh, 14th overall. And what a remarkable season that was for him, but also for the cross-country team. I'm sure you're proud of that team. Oh, yes. Um, you know, I feel like that's – uh, one of the best teams we've had here at Weber State in the past, well, really in the past two decades. Um, they put together a fantastic season, uh, worked really hard as a group, um, and missed out on the on qualifying for the NCAA championships just so narrowly. Um, in the coaches poll at the end uh, of the season, we were ranked 32nd uh, in the country. And the top 31 teams, all the teams in front of us, were the 31 teams that raced at the NCAA championships. So in a sense, we were kind of the first team on the outside, um, which was hard. And that was what they wanted to do was get back to the NCAA championships. Um, Weber hasn't been there since 2002. Um, so that was a big goal of ours. Um, and uh, uh, hard, but also I think uh, we have a lot of those guys coming back and they're very motivated to make that happen this next fall. Um, yeah. You know, and then to get Christian and Taylor both qualified individually. Um, and they did that by placing uh, in the top 25 at the mountain region. Um, Christian was tw uh, 14th and Taylor was, I think, 24th. So they both snuck into the NCAA championships and, and went out there. And, oh, wow, they, they raced uh, as strong as I've, as I've seen guys race. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty remarkable. You know, especially in with the distance runner distance races of how good Northern Arizona is in the Big Sky. That's won multiple national championships, and it's obviously really hard to, to compete against a team like that in your own conference. Oh yeah, yeah, it, it definitely is. And at the conference championships, uh, it was a uh, it was in Greeley, Colorado, and it was there was snow on the ground, and it was a cold day and uh, a challenging course. 
And we went out there and just ran fearless and actually uh, challenged them a little bit, you know, um, with about a mile to go in the race, we weren't, we weren't far behind Northern Arizona. So that was fun for us to, to see and to gain some confidence that we can run with teams like that. Yeah. And then as we went to the, with Christian and Taylor at the NCAA championship, Christian actually was the top finisher from the big sky beating all the Northern Arizona guys. And, and uh, so that was, that was pretty solid. Absolutely. Uh, get some really good competition in the mountain region, you know, with several other teams in the mountain region that are in the tops of the country. So a lot of competition that they get to run against. You're a former runner yourself and, and well, still a runner too, but you ran at Weber state. Um, yeah. And I've always been impressed by these distance runners that uh, you mentioned you ran in snow. It's we've been at track meets or cross country meets where it's snowing and really, really cold or where it's really, really hot and, they go to different altitudes. They do all kinds of things. I, I'm just so impressed by the the grueling uh, grind that it takes uh, for these these cross country runners. It's amazing to watch. Yeah, thanks, Paul. I think that's one of the things that brings them back and just gives them again confidence that you know the, they've trained through a lot of uh, challenging weather and and on the the trails that we have at Weber State are such a good testing ground for us to be able to climb the mountain uh, up and down every day and uh, I think it just gives them confidence and knowing you know that they can that they can perform in different kinds of um, situations so. so when the distance runners are you know obviously when you're not at a meet but what do they do to train during the week what do they where do they go where do they usually run how much do they run and how much and some of them want to run forever probably right you have to monitor yeah. that too I guess <laughs> Probably more so holding them back than, uh, yeah. you know, than let, just letting them go and run free. Uh, we have guys that run, uh, our distance guys average between 60 miles. We have some guys running 60 miles a week and we have guys running all the way up to a hundred and 110 miles a week. Um, and they do, they spend a lot of that time, uh, running on the trails above the university. Um, I think we don't have, I don't know that there's a better place to just train and have, uh, those, you know, the, with the trails that we have. So it's great. So, yeah, that, wow, that's amazing. I don't even drive yeah. that much a week. Yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Is there something, just the mentality that, that you have that, that they just, you just want to be a runner. You just love to do that. What is it about that? There is something definitely that's uh, different in the mind of a distance runner. It has to be, um, and, uh, and they, they look for that. They look for this long extended, um, uh, I guess you can call it pain, you know, as they just, <laughs> you know, pr practice enduring that and pushing through that. And, you know, so there, there's distance runners can be cr pretty quirky because of that, I think. Well, how about you? Have you always loved running and something you've always done? Well, I wouldn't say I always love it. <laughs> and, and they don't, they don't either. You they know? don't There's either. Some, yeah. Definitely some days where you're doing it because you're doing it because you know it's going to benefit you. But uh, when you look back on all of it, there's, there's definitely a love. Um, and I have, I, you know, I started running when I was in junior high school and, and I'm, I've been really blessed to be able to run, you know, for a long time since and, and still just love getting out there on the trails and spending time out there. Um, despite, it being painful sometimes. What do, uh, yeah. How do you pass the much time with not just you, but other athletes too, but as you're out there running for that long, do you, do people listen to things? Do you just talk? Do you think what, I guess everybody's all different, but yeah, it totally depends when I'm running with people. It's fun to, to just talk and joke and, 
and uh, you know have discussions. And I still go running with a lot of my old former Weber State teammates, and you know we talk about life and we talk about uh, all kinds of things. Um, and I think the guys enjoy that. They enjoy, you know, and I think that's one of the things that they're missing right now is just the camaraderie and the opportunity to run together and joke around and, and get to know each other better. Uh, running solo has its benefits too, because it's just some time to self-reflect. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. People often say, how can you go that far? Don't you get bored? But I don't know. There's plenty to think about. And I listen <laughs> to music. I listen to music or books on tape or podcasts or different things at different times, but yeah. Good. Maybe somebody's listening to us right now while they're running. I hope so. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you are a Utah native and, and you, as you said, uh, you, you, we said you, you competed at Weber State. You ran here uh, uh, from what, 90, well, finished in 2002 was your last year. On, you were on part of some great teams. Uh, yeah. But let's go back to that. Did you did you want to run it? Obviously, you, you had a desire to run in college. And, and why did you end up choosing Weber State? Um, you know, when I, I, I graduated high school in 95, and Weber State had had a, a, some teams really do well in the early 90s. We had a team that finished fourth at the NCAA championships. Um, and Coach Hislop had groups going to the, you know, qualifying for the NCAA championships in cross country um, on a pretty regular basis. Um, and so when I was doing my recruiting trips, uh, almost immediately I felt that Weber State had a big focus on um, togetherness, uh, unity, and teamwork. And I think that's, for me, uh, just seeing that and seeing that team culture is what was the tipping point. Um, once I got here, I realized how grateful I am that I chose Weber State because of the places we get to run and train. Um, and the school's a phenomenal school. But, but uh I think really for me, it was the culture that Coach Hislop was setting up, you know. And so for me, that's something that I want back, you know, and we're getting there and we're, and we're, uh, we're, we're becoming more unified and running together as a team and really working well together. So I like what I see. Well, Coach Chick Hislop uh, is a legend and uh, the coach at Weber State longer. He was at Weber longer than any coach that's in a big sky history in the same spot and uh, wow. won so many, so many titles and such a legend. What did you learn most? And now as you as a coach, what, what have you learned most from Chick uh, and, and what did he teach you? Uh, there's, there's been a lot of lessons. Um, and I, I, I can't tell you how grateful I am for Chick, not just for the time that I had to run with him, but for the support and encouragement and advice he gave me when I was coaching at Davis. And now for the, you know, the same, the support and, and encouragement he gives me here. Um, you know, and he's still my coach. He's always going to be my coach. I think I ran into him at a, an indoor track meet not that long ago. And I had, you know, it was pretty scruffy. I was working on a beard and, and, <laughs> and coach Hislop said, what are you, <laughs> coach Hislop said, what are you, what are you doing here? And I said, Oh, I don't know. Just growing my beard out. And he said, you need to shave that. And so I went home and shaved that night. Um, and that's still, still kind of the influence he has. Um, he he has that for me too. Yeah, he he'll tell me something. Yeah. And I'll I'll make sure I <laughs> try to get things right. But but he's yeah, wonderful, yeah. and he's always been so supportive. Yeah, yeah. And I loved running for him because uh, he he he's great at getting the best out of his athletes, um, and not always in you know a, the nicest way. <laughs> you know, he was very tough on us uh, and expected a lot from us. And that's probably one of the things I took the most from is just. You know, hold hold my guys to a, to a high standard. Expect a lot from them. 
because yeah, I, he, think, he, I think that was good for us. That's how he was and everything. And my, my first, uh, first job is at Weber State in 2004 was covering or handling track and field as the SID. And I was just an assistant and a part-time person, really. But, so I, I worked closely with him. And I'd come in and, and he'd leave when I was step out of my office, I'd come back, there'd be a little sticky note on there. It says, see me chick, you know, and my heart would usually <laughs> drop, right? You'd probably like scared. Oh boy, what did I do? And I think he tried to, he tried, you know, like you said, he was, he was tough, but he still, he still, uh, he, he wanted everybody to be good. And, and he helped me a lot too. It was a lot of fun to work with him. For sure. Yeah, we we would get those notes on our locker, oh, yeah. or we'd see them on someone else's locker, and we're you know, oh. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes out. it wasn't too bad, but some, no, it, at least yeah. it, it just kind of scared you a little bit. Like, oh, oh, for yeah. sure, for what sure. But you knew the thing is, even even with how tough he was on us, we knew that he cared about us on the track and off the track, and and wanted the very best for us. And I still feel that he gives me phone calls. You know, uh, we'll have a bad meet or a bad race uh, and uh, I'll see him, you know, I'll get a phone call from him on Monday and I'll see his name on the caller ID and my heart will drop and I'll think, oh, I, disappoint, <laughs> I disappointed coach. But then the conversation will turn to, you know, very positive um, feedback and, and giving me good advice and still encouragement, you know. Um, so, yeah, I've been very grateful for his, his support and patience and, and his concern, you know, these yeah, past few years. <laughs> He's amazing how he still keeps track of, of everybody and, and their their uh, results. And if we have something wrong on a top ten list, he'll he'll notice it. He'll call us and tell us. So <laughs> That's right. I was in your list. office the other day when we had something wrong, and he he spotted it. <laughs> He's, he he knows that. You know, and you've yeah. been a part of of not only him but Jim Blaisdell. I know I know coached the the women's team, but was part of of our program and, and Dan Walker as well. And now with Paul Pilkington and. And of course, you have assistant coaches as well. But uh, we've we've really had a legacy of some great coaches at Weber State in track and field, and and such a great history is uh, in in track and field at Weber State. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. And I feel that you know I feel that pressure, and it's a good pressure for me. You know, uh, I want to fill some of those shoes. You know, those are great men, and and we've had some phenomenal coaches here. So I, I was lucky enough my last year and a half when I was at Weber, uh, Coach Pilkington was an assistant. And uh, I learned a lot from him in that year and a half as well, him running with us and talking to us. And, and you know, he's full of wisdom. So, so when, when did you decide that you, uh, you wanted to go into coaching? Uh, I think I always felt it. You know, when I was in high school, I had a great high school coach, uh, Jeff Arbogast down at Bingham. Um, and I just loved the passion that he had for it. So I didn't know necessarily I'd be a coach at that point, but I thought I want to be passionate about something like this. You know, and then as I ran in college, I thought this is, you know, this is, this is what I love. This is what I'm most passionate about. And how can I, you know, how can I continue to have this beyond just running? And I think there's a deeper level when you start to coach people and help them to feel that same passion. So, yeah. yeah. Well, what was it that, that got you started? I know you, you coached a long time in high school. Yep. It, it, yep. Mostly at Davis High, right? You, you, after you graduated from Weber State and. Yeah, and ended up at Davis for a long time. Yeah, a long, yeah. long time. I was there for 14 years. Um, when I finished at Weber, uh, I finished in the fall or graduated in December, and I uh, looked for a job kind of uh, through that winter, but didn't find anything. And then that following summer, uh, Coach Burley at Davis called me, and one of his uh, coaches that was there was retiring, um, and he said you should come interview. And so I went 
I went and interviewed at Davis and luckily got the job and, and got to learn under coach Burley for a few years. And then, uh, and then took over both the men's and or the boys and girls programs uh, for 10 years while I was there at Davis. And 23 Utah 5A state championships and 45 region titles with the darts. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty fortunate. I'd say that's there. pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> we had some good kids, some great kids. And, uh, and again, a culture that was just, you know, uh, very unified and a very team culture. So, uh, what did you also teach while you were coaching as well? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, most of my time was probably spent, uh, teaching. <laughs> I was a, an English teacher. I taught sophomore English for my 14 years while I was there at Davis. Wow. So that's gotta be one of the biggest differences, obviously, as you, as you transition to, to college, but so after 14 years at Davis and a lot of success, what was it that, uh, that made you want to make the move to Weber State? Um, you know, I, uh, I, I loved teaching, but I also thought, you know, it would be fun to just spend all my time coaching. Um, so a few years before I got this job, I started looking at jobs and, and uh, just watching, you know, where some openings were. And there were a few things that came along, but nothing quite felt right or nothing quite worked out until, uh, until this opportunity. And so I feel, I feel like a, a little bit of fate led me this direction and and now I'm just grateful to be back you know where I was able to run and and yeah you obviously have to do recruiting uh which is I'm sure obviously a big difference from from uh from high school too and uh, what's that been, process been like for you as you started recruiting high school coaches uh, high school athletes yeah it's a it's definitely there's a learning curve to that um a lot of uh, evaluating and I'm, I'm learning and learning, you know, on how to evaluate uh, how athletes are now and how they're going to progress through college, um, you know, both through the way that they run and through the character that they seem to, to exhibit. And so uh, that's definitely been something that's, that I'm working hard on and, and learning to, to find the right guys that fit into our program. So, but it's fun. I like that. I like having those conversations with athletes and, bringing them onto campus and showing them what we can offer. And, and it's a fun part of the job. Yeah. What's your favorite part of coaching? Definitely the races. I love when we, you know, work really hard towards something and then we get the opportunity to travel and, and really um, hone in or focus on, on a race and, and, and see how we can perform. You, you obviously have so many different events that you have to, to deal with and whether it's a distance runner or a high jumper or a hurdler or, or whatever it is. Oh, right. Yeah. What's, what's the process of, of evaluating potential, potential athletes? Uh, a lot of it with track and field, you could start to see from just results and we follow results throughout the season and throughout a kid's career. You know, we're looking at um, results online of kids that are ninth grade and 10th grade and 11th grade, uh, not just what they're currently doing, but, kind of their progression. Um, and then when we get the opportunity to go to track meets and watch those athletes, um, coach Weir has a phenomenal eye for, for throwers and for all the events that he works with. Um, so he can watch video or he can be at a track meet and really spot some things that, that he thinks will be, you know, will show potential. Um, so we're lucky to have him with us. Uh, coach Hogan is the same with, uh, with hurdles and jumps, um, and can see, uh, things that she would work on with athletes, you know, and I think has a good idea of where she can help them progress. So, yeah, I think, you know, it starts with finding athletes who are putting up good marks, but then continues into getting the opportunity to watch them either through film or in person. Um, and then I think beyond that, uh, really getting to know those athletes 
and finding out about them as, as individuals and what their character's like. And that comes through talking with them and, and talking with their coaches as well. So we get a lot of insight from, from high school coaches. So hey, you definitely have a great staff and Tiffany Hogan is an Olymp- former Olympian and uh, has yeah. all kinds of records and member of the Utah sports hall of fame. So yeah, uh, you get a great and staff. And coach Ware as well, you know, both yeah. of our, both of our assistants um, are, are Olympic athletes, which is, uh, we're very fortunate. Pretty impressive for sure. Yeah. Well, just a few more minutes here with coach Corbin Talley, the head coach of the men's track and field and cross country team as in general, how much do you run? Um, I'm running a lot more now than I was uh, when I was working at Davis. Uh, I'm trying to run about 50 to 60 miles a week. So that's been fun. And I, I know that uh, not long ago you had experience where you ran uh, in the Grand Canyon. Will you tell us about that? Yeah, I don't know if I was quite ready for it, but a friend of mine and I, actually a whole group of us, had decided that uh, we wanted to run the Grand Canyon from rim to rim to rim. Um, it's about 50 miles with like 1,300 or 13,000 feet of uh, vertical gain. And so we trained for it a little bit. I mean, we were running, but uh, it ended up that just two of us went and ran. Uh, but it was one of the greatest experiences of my life, just absolutely beautiful scenery and it really tested our limits particularly the last climb out of the grand canyon but that was that was fun. Oh. 50 miles in uh, about 14 hours wow good for yeah. you yeah it's a great fun. way to see the grand canyon i guess yeah <laughs> it was brutal and fun at the same time how many marathons have you run i on the roads i competed in 12 marathons i haven't run a, a road marathon since uh, 2010 um i've done about a dozen trail marathons or longer than marathons, ultra marathons on the trails. The longest race I've run is the Wasatch 100. Um, and I finished that in 2011. That was probably the hardest thing I've ever done. Uh, <laughs> hands down the hardest thing I've ever done. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, you're also going to uh, serve as the race director for the Desert News uh, July 24th Pioneer uh, Day race as well this year. That's right. Yeah, yeah, and that's been fun to get involved with. Uh, I'm seeing that uh, that race and the organization from a different side of things, so it's been a good learning experience for me, and and uh, really pretty cool. Some good people to work with on that race committee. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, thanks. Well, Corbin, thanks thanks for your time. Uh, I appreciate uh, your time here with us, and I know we're dealing with a whole new set of circumstances right now that we never thought we would. But you've been great to to tell us a little bit about your history and and also uh, how you and your athletes are dealing with things. And we hope to be able to get back to things soon. We were, we were going to host the, uh, the Big Sky Outdoor Championships this May and, and looking forward to that. And now that'll likely get pushed back a year. But you're learning to deal with different circumstances, but uh, still things are, are going to work out uh, in the long run for sure. Yeah, I think so. You know, and I really hope we get the chance to host the Big Sky Championships next year. Our alumni were uh, – we had a lot of alumni getting really excited to help out. Our athletes were excited to have the conference at, the, at, at our home track. And I think, you know, actually, I know, I think we're going to be a lot better a year from now um, and really be able to showcase um, some athletes that are developing right now. So, so I hope that we get that chance uh, in 2021. Uh, I think it'd be pretty special. Well, you as a former, as an alum, of course, of, and a former runner, you've, that's part of your connection too. You've connected with a lot of alumni that come to meets and help out. And it's important to have them still part of the program. Yeah, we have some of the, the best alumni probably in the country. I'm, I really love our, our support group that we have. 